be bold and be brave and just go for it. As photographers, we are always looking for powerful images that, that will hold time in place, that will draw people in and symbolize something universal, something shared, something emotional. Everybody needs to see what's going on everywhere. Pictures just stand out. This is how we remember. Insights, kits, and the conversations that matter with the world's leading photographers and filmmakers in Shutter Stories. Hello and welcome to Shutter Stories with me, your host, Lucy Hedges. Now, as we all know, most live music performances have been on hold since the beginning of the pandemic. With countless concerts and festivals cancelled, it has, of course, been an incredibly difficult time for musicians and their fans and for the photographers who capture these amazing events. But now, with venues gradually reopening, audiences are finally, finally able to start seeing their favourite artists in the flesh again, while music photographers have the chance to do what they do best. I am, of course, talking about capturing the excitement, the drama and unpredictability of a live performance. Now, in today's episode, we'll be talking to one of the most successful and experienced music photographers working today, Christy Goodwin. Now, Christy's been a professional uh, photographer since the 1980s, and has specialised in music photography since 2005. Now, she's photographed a lot of the world's most famous musicians, taking both concert shots and informal behind-the-scenes portraits of performers. Now, Christie's subjects have included Taylor Swift, Paul McCartney, Nick Cave, Katy Perry, Camila Cabello, Kylie Minogue, and so much more. She's also been the Royal Albert Hall's house photographer, shooting there over 250 times. And in 2018, she published a Sheeran Memories We Made, a collection of unseen images documenting his rise to global stardom. So that's quite the impressive CV and that's only really just scratching the surface. So if anyone can give an insight into the realities of life as a music photographer, it is of course Christy Goodwin. So on that note, Christy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me and you even got me impressed with that introduction. <laughs> well, it's an impressive list of a accomplishments so it's all coming from you my lovely <laughs> it's really good to have you <laughs> on the show um so first things first I want to ask you what what came first your love of music or your love of photography uh photography without a doubt I just have a love for the art of photography um it's what drives me to take pictures it's actually funny because a lot of people say oh you're a music photographer and I always say no I'm a photographer and my client base is mainly uh, in the music industry. Yeah. But I create images and it actually doesn't really matter that much what of. I just love creating images. Yeah, yeah. So your passion is just is purely photography and you just happen to end up, yeah, shooting a lot of musicians. So There's a great place to end up. <laughs> so you graduated <laughs> So you graduated with a photography degree from the Royal Academy of Fine Arts in Antwerp in 1986. So what kinds of photography did you do in the first part of your career? Well, as part of the academy, we also had a fashion division which, for instance, produced the Antwerp 6, you know, it, it's quite a highly regarded part of the academy. So every year the graduates would do a fashion show and, of course, then the photography team would be set in to capture that. So I basically started in fashion. And then um, when I was about to graduate, uh, Martin Margiela, who's a fashion designer, um, 
I think he graduated probably five years before me. He often came to the academy to get uh, a photographer to work with. And then at some point, he had just started working with Jean-Paul Gaultier in Paris, but he was still designing for himself as well. And so I went on an interview with him and we clicked immediately because we were both very shy, which, you know, that works. Yeah. And so he hired me for his personal collection. And I did that wow. for a year until basically when he moved everything over to Paris and he was going to start his own thing. And I didn't want to move to Paris. So, but I worked a year with him, which was very interesting. So I started in fashion. Yeah. What a fantastic start. Yeah. It was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, do you think some of the things that you learned or discovered, you know, shooting fashion on the stage and things like that, there are similarities with the kind of skills needed to shoot artists on stage? No, not really. The, the, the thing is with fashion, it is more precise work. It's more um, detailed orientated. It's more about the clothes more than the people. Well, when you shoot a show, it's more about the people. Well, sometimes it's a combination of the two, but, yeah, you know, it's, uh, no, and, and in fashion, you also get your time, which you don't get in music. There's no time, no time to waste. <laughs> Every second counts, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. So then how, let's talk about how you got started as a music photographer then. Talk me through that. Well, I n- actually never sought out to be a music photographer. It, it was just not on my radar. I didn't really think that was a profession. I know it's very strange, but yeah. I thought people did that for a hobby. Um, and I was uh, working as a journalistic photographer in Brussels, which was really fun to do. Uh, I did it part-time, lifestyle photography, journalistic photography. I was based in right in the center of the EU and the EU Parliament and all that. So every time, every day, there was something happening. I run out, take pictures, send them through. And uh, part-time, I was also PA in a law firm, so I really combined that very well. And I did go to concerts in my free time, and so one day I went to a concert Mm. of my partner, took some pictures, and uh, unbeknownst to me, he sent those pictures through to the management of status quo. Um, And then one day I get a call from the manager of status quo saying, um, I would like to hire you to shoot my band, and I was like, this is a joke, and I actually hung up. No way! Yeah, and then I had to grovel <laughs> my way back because then my partner told me, "Oh yeah, by the way, I did send you that your pictures to them," and I went like, "Oh, I already no!" Had uh, so I groveled <laughs> my way back. Yeah, and uh, they did hire me. And to be honest, I had no clue what I was doing. It was like being thrown into the deep end and just trying to survive. Um, and I shot the band. To this day, I have no recollection what I did that day. That was just like a whirlwind. Um, But they liked what I did and they kept hiring me. And I've been working with them ever since, which is now almost 17 years. Wow. Um, So after that stroke of good luck, my partner um, kept introducing me to other artists and jobs kept coming. And then at one point I had to make a decision. And so I sold up everything I had in Belgium, quit my job packed my bags, came to the UK and, um, you know, just started from the scratch, from the bottom. And here we are. 
So that's my journey. That's incredible. So your first gig was your first gig was a true baptism of fire, really in the deep end. Like mm. you said, you wasn't 100% sure what you were doing, but your pictures clearly spoke volumes for the skill that you have, unknowing skill, because you said you weren't that sure what you were doing. No, no, not at all. It's almost like your survival mode kicked in. I know. And also, you know, they wanted immediately me to shoot backstage as well as shooting the show. I had never done that before. And I was, you know, I was introduced to the band and, and then they said, yeah, start shooting. And I was like, what do they want me to shoot? And I was like, well, I'll just start shooting. And, uh, you know, whatever I see, that's because that's me. I always try to capture something that I think is beautiful. I thought, just chase beauty, just shoot. And that's what I did. And maybe it's a good thing because I didn't think too much about it. And just followed my gut, and maybe that worked. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that is quite nice, actually. You know, when you d- when you do overthink things, I think not just in photography, I think in life sometimes it can really impede on the job mm-hmm. at hand. If you just go for it, and just your natural instinct kicks in, and you do what you need to do. It, clearly, in this case, you get an, an exceptional results. Well, when I look back at those pictures, I don't think so. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> I got there in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was 17 years ago. It was 17 years ago. <laughs> so so have, have you been inspired by other music photographers? Um, I've always admired, even before I knew music photography was a thing, <laughs> I was always an admirer of Baron Wallman, who was the first Rolling Stone uh, magazine photographer. And he was such an inspiration yeah. to me because he gave you a look inside the people's lives and and and, and the, the the music scene, and over the years, well, the late Baron Rollman, because he's now passed away unfortunately, um, but we became friends actually, yeah, and we worked together a couple of times, and oh man, the stories he could tell, um, and he often said to me, he said, I admire what you do now because. He was still where in the golden era of music photography where everything was possible, you know. And he often said, I couldn't work in the restrictive conditions that you are working in now because he just had the freedom to roll wherever he wanted, you know. Um, but yeah, 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 I really admired him. And what kind of restrictions is he, is he referring to specifically? <laughs> everything. <laughs> um, he could just go to a gig uh, shoot as long as he's, he wanted. Um, he could just go backstage. There were no contracts. There was no, um, oh, yeah, lanyards know. and wristbands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just like you rolled in and you rolled out and nobody blinked an eye. Yeah. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. What is special about music photography for you? Well, I think it's mainly the creativity because, you know, you're capturing artists who bring in a strong sense of creativity. So it's always something creative, even, I shouldn't say boring, but even the most boring performance has some creativity in it. And it requires also creativity from you. You know, they come on stage and it's it's almost like an enigma there's like this magic that unfolds, you know, behind the scenes, they're a normal person. Once they walk on stage, it's, I always say there's some kind of magic. They, there's a transformation. 
And that's what's very exciting, I think. And I love that. I love that. Yeah, it must be interesting for you who gets the privilege of seeing them behind the scenes and how they do transform into these crazy, enigmatic stage performers that just do an incredible show. I know. Sometimes it's mind-blowing because, you know, sometimes you know that, like, for instance, they're not very well until the last minute when they, you know, before they step on, on stage, they're, like, trying to fix everything so it's not apparent that they're not well. And then they walk on stage and it's like nothing happened. Then you think like, how do they do that? Yeah, that is pretty incredible. That's very admirable, actually. <laughs> so let's move on to talking about, you know, music photography today. How has music photography changed while you've been working in the business over the timeline of your career? Well, I think the last 10, 15 years, uh, the music industry is very much turned into a corporate world. Um, and I mean that in a way when, when you're hired, it's very much a business transaction, you know, with contracts and legal stuff and you're dealing with managers, publicists, lawyers, mm -hmm. accountants. It's, it's, um, and so it actually requires, and, and that's sometimes where people make a mistake. It requires you to be very much also you, you can't just be a creative person. You also have to be a business person to be able to navigate through all this. Because if you, you're not, you know, if you're just a creative and, and you just swing through it, it doesn't work and they will let you go because they're business people and they, it's all business and you have to think business with them uh, to be able to actually um, do the job. So I think it's, yeah, it's very much a corporate world these days. Yeah. And do you think, you know, is that, is that a kind of, a, obviously it needs, it's, it's evolution, isn't it? That's how the industry's progressed. But do you feel that's maybe mm, siphoned, mm. siphoned some of the fun and creativity out of the job itself? You know, I sometimes wonder for the artists, though. Um, for me, it's just, you know, you, you just, like you say, you evolve in it and you learn, you know, you learn to read contracts, for instance, which, you know, <laughs> Um, it takes a while, but anyway, but for the, the artists, I think sometimes they must be sometimes constrained because it's all about, I think the creative input is still there, but it's probably much more regulated by the corporate heads who say this can be done and that can't be done. Um, I think it, they will feel it much more than I do. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So apart from, you know, photographic skills such as timing and composition, what other skills does a music photographer need to get the job done? Mm, I always say patience. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the most important skills you should have because it's very much a hurry up and wait job. Um, and sometimes you really have to wait long hours for like, 10 minute shoot you also have to be able to work very fast because most artists are very constrained in time and you have to think quick on your feet you have to always be on the ready you always have to be switched on continuously ready to go at all times when somebody hires you and they say you have to be there at 10 o'clock and at 11 o'clock they say oh the artist only will be here at three o'clock you can't make a fuss about that because you are just a little particle of a whole organization and that whole organization has to flow in a certain way and you just 
have to slide slide in. Don't make too much ruckus and slide out again. And you have to learn that. You sort of have to learn that that it's not about you. It's you just a little part and you're there to do your job. And if you have to wait six hours, then that's that. So other than other than patience, is there anything else that, you know, uh, a crucial skill for a music photographer to have? I often say as well that um, shooting music is not just by looking or seeing through your viewfinder. You also have to feel and that's something I don't know. With me, it came instinctively. Uh, I don't know if you can really learn that. But I know when something is going to happen on stage, um, something that's worth capturing. I know that on forehand. I can feel it. Um, and that's good if you have that, of course, because, um, you know, if you're at the other side of the stage when uh, at the total other end something is happening, um, you won't. You won't get it. You'll miss it. But I always instinctively know, oh, this is, there's something going to happen. I'm ready for it. It sounds like something, a skill that you've managed to just fine tune over time. And it's kind of intuitive rather than something that you can actively learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of all the gigs, of all the incredible gigs that you photographed, do any stand out as being especially memorable? Not just maybe because of the artist, but, you know, it could just be the backdrop, the, the special effects, the costumes. Is there anything that really stands out for you? Well, the one that immediately pops to mind is, you know, um, the hot summer of 1976. I bought Hart's album, uh, Dreamboat Annie, which basically yeah. became somewhat of my, you know, my go-to album, uh, to get me through teenage times, shall we say. So then I got commissioned to create images for Hart when they performed at the Royal Albert Hall for their DVD. And that was like, you know, that was like the full circle, uh, something from my childhood that had helped me so much. And for me, that was like, I could give them something back for what they had given me. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's an evening I'll never forget. It was very emotional. Um, and there was even one song, my favorite song. Um, now I don't remember the name of the song, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I just stopped shooting that song. I just sing put it my cameras are. down and I thought... <laughs> yeah right um not today darling <laughs> <laughs> but i just put my cameras down and i just enjoyed the the one song i thought you know i i have a whole gig to shoot but this song i'm going to enjoy and i did yeah, yeah oh that really sounds special. amazing it sounds like a yeah a really memorable time I can just tell by the kind of intonation in your voice how much that meant to you that's amazing yeah 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 um so my album just in case you're interested is Jagged Little Pill Alanis Morissette that was my adolescence oh. my teen album <laughs> that's a not good bad, one not um, bad. <laughs> and who's been your who's been your favorite artist or band to photograph Every artist actually has brought something memorable or interesting. So I don't really have one favorite. They're all my favorites in their own unique way. But is there an assignment that maybe gave you one of your favorite images, for example? Well, my favorite image is the Katy Perry firework picture, which I've is on my website. I've seen that image. That image is beautiful. So colorful. Yeah. Yeah. It was not easy because, um, so I had, been in it was the very first gig of her tour and it was in Belfast and I had done all the rehearsals but unfortunately the pyros uh for the fireworks that you see on the picture 
uh, they came from Italy and they actually only came the afternoon of the first gig. So we never did a rehearsal with those pyros. So I had no clue what was going to happen. So it's during the song of fireworks and she's basically on the B stage, walks back to the A stage, goes down in the middle. And then when the song goes like fireworks, you know, the fire and the pyros would go off. So I stood there and I was singing along with her, probably louder than her, <laughs> because I really wanted to not miss, because I knew once she would say fire, mm -hmm. it would mm -hmm. go. I had no idea of the strength of the lights of the pyros was going to be. It was purely, like I said, instinct. Yes. And the because it was the very first time, understandable, um, I had three frames when she said fire, and then she turned her head around because she wanted to look at the fireworks of, as well, of yeah. course, because for her it was new as well. And so then I got the back of her head. So I had three frames. Now, the walk from the pit to backstage has been the longest walk ever in my life. Really? Because I knew that management was really keen to have that a picture of that because it was all special uh, effects and they had, had it come over from Italy and, you know, yeah, that was going yeah. to, and it's also because, mm. yeah, and also because of the costume she was wearing, which was a very beautiful designed costume. So that mm. in whole, they wanted to use to promote the rest of the tour. So they were very eager for that shot. So that, that was the longest walk ever backstage because I thought three frames, I didn't check it because, you know, I couldn't, it was all, I had to go with the flow. Yeah. Um, Walked to backstage, I uh, uploaded my pictures, I held my heart, and I thought, oh. And yes, it was there, the picture was there, it was the second one, and luck, it was pure luck. I am not going to ever claim that that was uh, my knowledge or what, it was pure luck. You must have felt amazing when you saw that image then, like, yes! <laughs> Yeah, and, and a lot of people ask, uh, you know, uh, about post-processing. I should, you know, and that's something that everybody should try to do is try to shoot as good as possible that you have as little as possible post-processing. I mm. sometimes hear that in the pit when people say, oh, I'll fix that afterwards uh, on, on on my computer. And I think like, no, fix it now. Yeah. Fix it now when you're shooting. Make sure you get it right. So that picture had no post-processing. Wow. None whatsoever. I gave that like that to them immediately and they immediately sent it to their PR team and it was all. Wow. So well, it's basically as shot. Well, to everyone listening, I urge you to go and check out that image actually because it is, it is incredible. I think I saw that on your website. I want to give the listeners um, your web address so they can check that out. Um, my website is christygoodwin.com. So, you know, obviously you got the image you wanted and you got an incredible result from that shoot, but it does sound like it was pretty tough. So are there any other gigs or experiences that spring to mind where it was quite a tough gig um, for you to get the shot that you wanted to achieve? Does anything kind of stick out in your mind? Yeah, there, there are quite a few, but uh, one gig that I did uh, in Dallas, Texas, I was uh, on tour with One Direction and management had decided that they should... Um, Basically, the boys themselves uh, stopped the gig on four different occasions in the middle of the gig. Huh? I mean, on stage, 
I would walk on stage and take a picture of them on stage and then walk off again, which, um, trust me, I mean, there's a reason why I'm behind the camera because I like to hide. So that was not a very pleasant experience. But what I had not anticipated was um, that the, I think it was the third uh, stop was on the B stage. So they go through a tunnel to another smaller stage. And I go just plain through the crowd. And these fans just jumped on me. And I had all these phones bumping <gasps> into my head. And they the weight became very heavy. And I was like almost suffocating. It was Harry's uh, security guy who pulled me out of it. <laughs> oh, my saved gosh. Me and got me to the other end. Oh my God, that sounds horrendous. I've seen crazed, crazed fans, Bieber fans, like thousands of them. And I was in the middle of that once and that was traumatic. I'm still traumatized by that. So I can imagine just how incredibly intense that was for you. It, it's, it scarred me a bit. I'm, I'm not too good in big crowds anymore. Um, but yeah. you know, that was not so much, the ch well, it was a challenge to shoot as well, because to be honest, when I walked on stage, I was so petrified that I couldn't even think. I just shot. I mean, mm. and I wanted to get off that stage as soon as possible. That's all I could think. So in that perspective, it was a very challenging uh, shoot, that one. So before you knew you were about to go on stage, you know when it's your time to run out and get that picture, did you, did you feel like you were like, almost like you were about to perform? So your butterflies, your stomach must have been doing knots and all sorts. I felt like throwing up. I remember that very clearly. I felt like throwing up. That was like, oh, horrible. And I kept saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but oh, no, I did That's it. a shame though, isn't it? Because that's an example of when the fun kind of gets sucked out of it a little bit. Mm. You know, you've got a job to do and you love mm. it. But it's like, I just don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I, I never thought it but was But then now idea. you can say you've been on stage with One Direction. There's a lot of people who would give organs to say that. So, you know, <laughs> you're actually quite lucky, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and are there any gigs that you wish that you could go back and redo for any reason? You want to get better pictures or your different angles? Or any, is there anything that, that you think, I'd love to go back in time and do that again? Probably my first gig. Yeah? Yeah, my status quo gig, because I did, I had no clue what I was doing. I would do it so much better these days. Yeah. But yeah, that's the only place I'd, I might, I might want to go back. But for the rest, I, I'm pretty okay with what I've done. I've learned to live with my mistakes, and God knows I've made them. Um, so I'm okay with it, yeah. I think you need, in any career journey trajectory I think you need to have mistakes and trials and errors and you learn and I think that what, what helps develop you into a better professional in whatever career that you're going no, into yeah. I think so you, you need those you need those let's talk about um, concert shoots for a moment does the end goal of a concert shoot you know for example if it's been commissioned by an artist or by a venue like the Royal Albert Hall does that affect the way you work um yes it does and it should actually um I know I said that before you know, saying you're a music photographer is very cool, but it, it is actually just commercial photography you're doing, um, nothing else. And you always have to remember who you're creating images for. You're creating images for a product that's going to be commercialized, whether it's the artist or whether it's, like you said, a venue. Mm -hmm. So it's it happens sometimes that I shoot for both the Albert Hall and the artist at the same time. And 
it is a bit of a brain freeze when you do it because for the Albert Hall, uh, the Albert Hall is a subject and the artist is the byproduct. So I always have to shoot with the Albert Hall in focus. While mm-hmm. when I'm shooting for the artist, of course, the the artist is a subject. That's the product they want to commercialize where the hall is in the background. So you have to then wiggle in between the two and make both parties happy and get both parties uh, the product they want. So yeah, the end product, the end goal is always very important. You always should know. I think it's very important also um, not just to understand their brand, which is very important, but also what they're going to use it for. Um, If you know that it's going to be, for instance, for a tour poster, you have to... Remember that when you're shooting, um, that you uh, leave space for text, you know, text space. Uh, it's uh, all different things because you, in, in principle, you are a commercial photographer and you're creating something that they are going to use to brand their product, to uh, advertise their product. So, yeah, you have to work with that knowledge. I know you just said it's kind of a mental minefield. Talk me through kind of your mindset when you're when you're when you're working in that kind of environment. Is it are you are you flustered? Are you cool? Are you calm and collected? I guess you've got a lot of experience doing this now, but I'm just interested to know kind of what train of thought goes through your mind when you're having to kind of do dual photography. I think maybe the first few times I was flustered, like a little bit panic moments like oh did I shoot enough of the artist oh did I shoot enough of the whole but now I have this uh, yeah I rarely get intimidated by the job actually never anymore I just know what I'm doing and I just know I, I mentally tick off what I should get what's important and that changes all the time as well because you know it depends on which artist there is which style of performance it is but I immediately know something rowdy. Oh, crowd has to be there. Crowd works well for artists and for the whole because they like to see their whole with uh, the crowd and the artist likes to see the artist with the crowd. So when it's very still performance, you know, like classical, um, I go more into details. So then I'll do the performers, the details of the, the instruments and all that. And then I'll do the for the whole, the overhaul, um, of course, the whole in her beauty. And I'll focus on that. And then it's less very important. It's just the artist is then more the backdrop. Um, you know, so whatever it is, I know sort of my mental uh, checklist what I should do. Yeah, yeah. You've kind of got it down now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you've used you've been using Canon kit for like over 30 years. So why did you choose mm. Canon and then stay with it? I got my first Canon kit, I think it's about 36 years ago. And to be honest, it was basically because at that time Canon offered a really good package. It was a body with the lenses I wanted and it was a very good deal and I just went for it. And over the years, as you can imagine, <laughs> I've had quite a few analogs and then afterwards digital. It's a little bit like when you, you use your hands and you want to take a drink, you don't think, oh, 
I am now going to clutch my hand to take it. No, you just do it. And the camera is for me the same. I don't think anymore. It's all instinctively. I know my camera inside out. I know exactly what it does and that's what I need. And also Canon, my camera so far, Canons have always been trustworthy, always reliable. And if something goes wrong, I always immediately know how to fix it because I know it so well. I'm just happy with it. And it's all because of that good deal I got away yeah. 36 years ago. <laughs> and there you are. Who doesn't love a good deal? But I think back to what you were saying about that familiarity, I think is so important. You know, you mentioned the mm. camera being an extension of your arm. And I think when you have a good piece of kit mm-hmm. that you know, like the back of your hand, it is so invaluable. It's so valuable, isn't it? You know, to be able to have something like that, just in your kit bag, in your, yeah. in your kit bag I, of goodies to yeah, shoot. I, I don't get my head around these people who go like they want always the 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 newest thing and the, the top range and I'm like no how how do you work with that and I get like oh no I wouldn't be able to do that and uh, no Canon I mean I know Canon inside out and I love it and then while you're probably shooting and doing your thing you can see them in your peripheral vision getting really stressed out at the settings of their camera because they've probably come with this new yeah. kit they thought was you know the best but they're it's actually flummoxed them and they've probably yeah. potentially missed the shot <laughs> I know I know no 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 not for me not no so let's talk specifically about which camera and lenses that you're currently using what's in your kit bag of goodies and why are they so good <laughs> Kid back of goodies, love that. Um, I have two bodies, uh, the 5D Mark IV. Um, nice. And I just have one standard 2470 and the 7200 zoom lenses. Um, I also, I think a year ago, I bought the Canon, the mirrorless M6, mm-hmm. uh, which I use for my concept photography uh, because it's just practical. Yeah. Um, I've been very impressed with the quality of it. Again, I went to Canon for mirrorless because I just knew I would get it straight away. I didn't want to break my head over anything. Um, and that's it. And, but it's, it's, it's been, you know, I've had a lot in my camera back and have really over the years just things kept falling off because I used to have like a fish islands and then, I had the primers and all that. And now I just have what I need and I work with that. Yeah, yeah. So this is your go-to <laughs> kit because you've you've nailed it down. You know, this is exactly mm. what you need to get the job yeah, done. Exactly. And are there any particular yeah. features that stand out on the cameras, for example, that, you know, really help you, you know, flourish and get the job done? Well, you might have noticed, but I'm not a technical boss. <laughs> and I... I know for a fact that uh, a lot of the technological advances that all cameras have made during recent years have probably been wasted on me. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, I know. Uh, I still, to this day, use my digital camera, camera like I used my analog camera. I'm a bit retro like that. Like, for instance, they've, uh, Canon has ch- changed a lot with the whole autofocus settings. Mm-hmm. That, that took me a while to get my head around because there were so many functions and it, I like things to do the way I want it. And in the beginning, it didn't do what I wanted and I was not happy and I was 
having a bit of a quarrel with my cannon. <laughs> but I figured it out in the end. I got my head around it. Uh, but that's probably as far as I've pushed my um, trying to get to know what's inside. Yeah. Although I say that I have uh, used a double exposure inside the camera as well. And yeah, the result was very good. Um, it it worked, um, but I haven't used it in. I, you can't use that in. Well, no, I did use it in music. Oh, I'm sorry. Roll back. I did use it in music photography. What was the gig that you used double exposure with, and who's the artist, um, and what was the result like? Well, it was not an artist. It was for my uh, concept photography, but. Way back uh, with my analog, I used to do that as well, um, you know, with the timed and over the same piece of film, basically shooting. So you had a double exposure. And this is another confession, but I rarely read the camera manual. Well, I actually <laughs> never do. I have to be honest about this. No, I don't read it. For some reason, I thought, hmm, I wonder if digital still can do that. <laughs> and I found this whole article in my manual. God knows, they can do it. And so I had to actually move buttons that I usually don't do. Yeah. But I, it was for a special project I was doing uh, about mental health, where I did a combination of a happy face and then a more introvert face, uh, and then on double exposure. And yeah, the result was very good. Um I did use it in music photography because when I was working with uh, Joanna Shaw Taylor, who is a blues uh, guitarist, yeah, um, I did it for her album cover. Yeah, that's a double exposure. And was that something that was specifically requested or did you kind of just make that image and they loved it and used it as the album cover? Yeah, no, we went into the studio and um, she really trusted me. We really... We were friends. We get on very well. There's a very good rapport. And she's not the most comfortable person, well, who is in front of the camera. So I like to then sometimes play it up a little bit that they feel more comfortable, let them do silly things so they get a little bit more loose. Mm -hmm. And I know that she is comfortable with her guitar. So we did first a couple of uh, just the simple portrait uh, pictures. But then I said, take your guitar and just start playing. And she has this beautiful long blonde hair. And I, and during concerts, she often does that. She has this hair flip. And I said, just do your hair flips while you're playing guitar. And I was, while she was doing it, I thought, huh, now that's something I could do with double exposure because I had just read the, the manual in Canon booklet. And I thought, I'm going to try this. And uh, so I did it. And they took that picture for their for her help. Yeah. So it actually worked. And there are benefits to looking in that manual. <laughs> <laughs> so for those people just starting out listening to your stories, um, what, what is, what's the essential bit of kit that's needed for music photography? What advice would you give to people um, and, you know, trying to develop a, 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 some kit to be a music photographer? You know, like I just said, you, I think whatever camera you get, um, just learn to use it, learn the tool inside out. Because especially shooting music, you, it's so important because you have no time to think. You really have to act in the moment. You have to, in, like I said, think on your feet, be quick, be, be work in the 
I see it often uh, when I'm at concerts and they're looking at their screen constantly and they're missing everything. And I'm like, don't look at it later. Look at, at it at your computer. Now it's the time to shoot. Um, so you have to know your camera really well. You have to know, like, I don't think about my shutter speed and my aperture. I don't think about that. That goes all automatically. I know exactly where to go to. It just almost instinctively, like I use my hand to grab a, a mm -hmm. drink. So you should get to that point. And that's why I always say when you have a camera and before you step into the pit and think of shooting music, just go out and shoot as much as possible and get those hours on the camera. So you learn to know and learn in every condition because you get any condition uh, in uh, the, the, the changes constantly. It can be very dark. It can be very light. It can be with pyros. It can be uh, very messy. It can be very clean. It can be any condition. Just try everything and get that practice in. So you don't, when once you start shooting music, you don't really have to think anymore. You don't have to search your settings um, because it can be, you know, very challenging and if you have to waste your time by searching uh your right settings then you know and especially if you're a beginning music photographer you only get three songs to shoot uh those three songs are over in nine minutes and you're out so use those nine minutes very valuable what's also very very important uh in your kit you have to know your kit but also don't forget earplugs when I first started out in music photography, when I first came to the UK, like I said, I had no clue what I was doing. So I just went into, and it was usually little clubs and all that, and you would stand right next to the speaker and, you know, you could feel your whole body tremble. Just imagine how loud that is. And I had mm -hmm. no earplugs in. And now I have that constant beeping in my ear. Um, oh, was it tinnitus? Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, so, you know, I've, I've, I've ruined it basically. Um, it's not that bad that I can't live with it, but it's there constantly. I mean, I have to listen to music when I sleep because otherwise it just drives me really? nuts. Really? Um, oh, Christy. so I think, I think I would almost say that's the one where you have to really spend money mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. and don't just put, uh, like those little plugs in. Get really, I have at the moment, <laughs> way too late, of course, but I have uh, earplugs that have been molded uh, exactly um, to my yeah. ears. So they fit perfectly and they keep, I can still hear, uh, it's not like it's completely gone, but all the high tones are uh, buffered mm -hmm, out, mm -hmm. um, which is so much better. And it, for some reason it also puts less strain on your whole brain yeah but i think earplugs are one of the most important items if you shoot music. yeah yeah so back to what you were saying about how you know you notice some photographers constantly spending time looking at their screens do you think that's the difference between more experienced photographers such as yourself and maybe people who are a bit newer to the game no because i've seen um the supposedly very experienced photographers doing it as well um it's pro probably an ego thing. Um, you know, it's probably an ego trip. I don't know why um, I find it. I always find it weird because it's, I mean, 
it's not like you can say stop the concert for 10 minutes uh, i just want to check my pictures and then you can continue it's not like that also don't stop shooting in between songs i always see that the song is over everybody puts their camera down no the performance is still going on. The people are still there. Those in-between moments are sometimes the best shots. So keep shooting, keep looking for beauty and keep capturing it. But yeah, not everybody's the same. And I'm not saying my way is the right way, but it's just not my way. And, and how competitive would you say music photography is? And, you know, does that impact the way you work at all? There is sort of a brotherhood between music photographers. Um, there, there's a nice bunch that likes to help each other out, mm -hmm. which is very nice. Um, but I think, and uh, it's probably to do with, you know, images become very visible once they go on the internet or in newspapers. There's a lot of ego going on, which I actually lack. I don't care to see my uh, the picture I took on, 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 on the DVD or on the CD, it's 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 nice, but you know I've done my job and that's that, and I don't need yeah. to cut out uh, my pictures out of a magazine or a newspaper. And I think a lot of photographers have this ego, like oh look me in the newspaper, oh mm -hmm. I have made front page of this, and um, in that uh, level there's a lot of competition. Um, yeah. eco competition, I would say. So how has your career been affected with musicians becoming so social media savvy and, you know, essentially creating their own content? How, what's that been like? How has that affected your career? Um, I applaud that, actually. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And, um, it, it doesn't really affect me because, you see, I said that before, music industry is a very corporate world. And the powers that behold will always hire a professional photographer when they have to create images for their commercial purposes. And if mm -hmm. the artist is on the road and is creating its own content, um, that's very good. But for a tour poster, they will never use those pictures. Um, yeah. The artist might want to. <laughs> but management will say, no, we need something clean cut that way. And so it hasn't really affected me. And I think it's, you know, they're creative people. They should do. They should live out their mm. creativity. Why not? I think it's quite, it's quite complimentary, isn't it? Like you say, you know, images from people such as yourself are going to be high quality, detailed, just unbelievably sharp and beautiful. Whereas mm. these are just, you know, mm. kind of off the cuff, guerrilla style shoots and videos and photos. And I think that's quite nice. It just complements that kind of artist experience that fans love to get and see yeah yeah exactly so i'm gonna have to can't do this chat without you know talking about the coronavirus because obviously it's been mm. quite impactful for everybody so i've got to ask you christy how mm. has covid impacted your work during the last 18 months and how have you dealt with that impact well like you know uh live music was the first sector to close yes. down and the last one to open again <laughs> So, yeah, it's been very quiet. Let's call it that. It was very quiet. Now, just before COVID started, um, I was in the process together with the Royal Albert Hall to set up my uh, Christy Goodwin collection on their shop uh, where people could oh, buy amazing. prints from past events. And because of the coronavirus and because a lot of artists were housebound, um, it was much easier to get their approvals, to get them on board, um, because we would never do that without their approval and, and their participation yeah, in it. 
So this all worked much faster than anticipated. So now we really have a very nice collection up in there. So been working on that, uh, contacting the artists, uh, the managements and all that. Uh, and the rest of the time, I basically spent creating concept images because uh, another part that I do is create concept uh, pictures for the book cover industry. So that mm. was something I could still do from home, um, you know, shoot a candle, shoot a apple. <laughs> shoot scissors yeah i've I've actually you're so grateful as well to be able to do to be able to still do work in your field yeah yeah yeah, obviously it's been so gutting not being able to go out there and be on the front line but you were able to do other things and keep yourself busy yeah which i guess would stop you from feeling the way a lot of us felt like ah coronavirus is ruining our lives (laughs) (laughs) and has it has it made you re-evaluate your personal and professional priorities for the future has it kind of changed your mindset a little bit well, it made me appreciate little things again, uh, that for sure. I mean, it was a silly example, but um, after 18 months, I took my professional cameras out of my roller bag again, and I found two or three little pieces of confetti paper that came out of it. And I used to get so annoyed by the confetti that was everywhere. And now I was treasuring <laughs> it, holding it almost like a newborn baby. And I thought like, oh, confetti again, you know. And and it's <laughs> yeah, it's weird, yeah. but you really appreciate the little things again. Like, no, no, come on, confetti, I like it. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate it again. You're going to be all up in that confetti when you finally get back out there. Yeah, I've been nagging again. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you think music photography will change um, in the coming years? Oh, I think it will. Well, it's evolving. It always evolves. Um, but you know that there's often this like for instance the upcoming of the videography and a lot of people have questioned like what's going to happen with photography you know is going is it all going to be videos and for me i am really confident that photography will always be a key player um in everything commercial because we live in such a visual world everything is visual and I think video cannot replace photography and vice versa. Mm-hmm. We will live and keep seeing videos popping up, but we'll also see photographs uh, popping up. And I think there will always be a need for, to- for photography. It will evolve. And, you know, we've gone from analog to digital. I never thought that would happen. That happened. So God knows yeah. what the future holds. And we'll just have to go with <laughs> it. But, uh, I think pictures will always be there. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially in music photography as well, you know, those iconic on stage mm. images, I think they are part mm. and parcel of the industry. I think they mm. they can't go anywhere because I think no. they really complement an artist's performance amazingly. And I've been to mm. concert halls and places and you see pictures just lining the hallways or whatever. And it's just, just incredible. You can't help but stop and stare at them because these images are so fantastic. And, you know, videos <laughs> are great, but capturing that moment in time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, is, yeah, it's, you can't replace it you definitely can't replace it and I've got to ask Christy do you still get the same buzz as when you first started out you know you've been doing this for a while so do you still get that 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 incredible buzz when you go out there on the front line a buzz maybe you know I take every job I get very seriously and I always try to do the best job possible now when I first started out there was a kind of magic to it and because I've seen everything from 
you know, building up the stages to the sound checks, rehearsals, touring, the before and afters, I, some of the magic has disappeared. Like, for instance, yeah. I will not go to a concert anymore uh, in my free time because for me that ha- that magic is gone. But that does it. I don't think that's such a bad thing because when I shoot, I see things clearly where before maybe my head was a little bit in the cloud, you know, all enthralled mm-hmm. by the magic. And no, I see clearly. I know exactly what's going on. I know what happened before. I know what will happen after. I've made that connection and I know how to capture that. So I think it's actually, I'm happy where I am now. I don't believe in magic anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but you still love what you do. And I think that's the most important thing, even though you don't necessarily, you know, you're not necessarily getting that crazy butterfly kind of buzz, but you clearly love what you do. And I think that's the most important thing. Right oh, there. yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, and I know I know you gave some some brilliant, you've been giving brilliant advice throughout our conversation, which I'm sure people are just going to really, really take to take to heart um but what advice would you give um to anyone who wants to be a music photographer just a kind of final words from christy goodwin oh dear well oh <laughs> let me go on my pet peeve then <laughs> um well strive for excellence that's that's the one thing because okay these days right because everybody's a photographer which i applaud i think it's a very good thing that everybody is able to take pictures these days mm-hmm. but i what I have a problem with is that we've become lazy in taking pictures because we just snap. We don't create images anymore. I mean, I see it all the mm-hmm. time. People, you know, I will challenge everybody who's listening. Just look in your phone and have a look how many times you have pictures that you have multiple pictures of the same thing. That's not necessary. That's not necessary. If you would have looked and created an image and waited until the time you thought, this is what I want, and then press the mm-hmm. button, then you would have had the picture to keep. Because, and, and that's what I'm worried about photography in general, is actually that we today have become desensitized because of, you know, we look on the internet, we look on Instagram, and it's all, and I don't, mean that in a bad way but there are a lot of mediocre pictures over there and we just become so used to looking at that that we don't you know it's okay to have a mediocre picture out there don't there's something that's going down and I'm so scared that we are going to lose the art of photography I think it's so important that you know anybody who wants to start in music photography or any photography, really. Even, Mm. you know, um, if you're just at home and you want to shoot a picture of your pet or anything, take care, create an image. Don't just snap. Don't snap multiple pictures. Don't uh, also photographers, if you go into the pit and you're shooting a concert, don't shoot it on high speed because that's filming. Leave that for the videographer. You're shooting pictures, you're capturing moments, capture moments, create images, see what's there, look mm. at the borders, uh, compose. You know, you have that creative ability to do that, then do that. Just don't snap. I'm very, yeah. I'm, I'm very worried that if we keep going like that and just accepting mediocrity like that, you know, uh, as a new norm, as good, then, I mean, the art of photography is lost. We should really strive for excellence all the time. 
Oh, a hundred percent. And what a wonderful sentiment, I think, to end this podcast on. On that note, Christy Goodwin, I've got to say, you absolute legend. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Such incredible stories, such brilliant insight into what it takes to be one of the top music or top photographers even on the planet. Honestly, thank you so, so much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. So we've brought you guests from across the world covering everything from music to sport, photography to filmmaking and everything in between. So now we want to hear from you. Who would you like to hear on Shutter Stories? Give us a challenge. Find us at Canon EMEA Pro on Twitter and Facebook. That's at Canon EMEA Pro. Um, so give us a comment. Let us know who. Give us a name. And they may just be on the next show. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can rate and subscribe in the episodes listing. If you have any thoughts or feedback on today's episode or the podcast as a whole, why not reach out to us on social media? You'll find our details in the description below. We'd love to hear from you.